Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. The FT. Welcome to the FT Big Read. I'm Esther Bintliff, a digital editor at the Financial Times. As the US deploys more soldiers to Iraq, its original decision to hold off attacking ISIS has drawn criticism and led to accusations that it opened the way for Iran to cement its own position in the country. This report is by Borzu Daragahi, Erica Solomon, Najme Bazogmir, and Jeff Dyer. It's narrated by Borzu Daragahi. Iraq's National Security Advisor, Falah Fayyad, was in Washington. He was struggling to arrange delivery of U.S. fighter jets to aid the country's fight against a surging Sunni Arab insurgency. That's when the shocking reports began flooding in. The Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant, the group known as ISIS, had swept through the country's second largest city, Mosul, and was hurtling toward Baghdad. It was June 10th. Mr. Fayyad rushed back to the Iraqi capital as residents began making plans to flee Baghdad for the south of the country or go abroad. Bank officials feared runs on deposits. Iraq's Shia-led government pleaded with the U.S. for help, but Washington's reply was chilly. They said they were studying the matter, says Mr. Fayyad, and hinted that they were not satisfied with the government. It would be months before the U.S. came to the aid of Baghdad by launching airstrikes to support Iraqi forces defending the capital from ISIS advances. Meanwhile, Washington's arch-rival in the region, Iran, began sending weapons, ammunition, crucial intelligence, and senior advisors within 48 hours of the Mosul crisis. General Qasem Atta is head of the Iraqi National Intelligence Service. From the first day, we sent a request to the Americans for training and weapons, he says. The U.S. excuse for not sending it was to wait for the new government to be established. We had no choice but to go to Iran. We had to defend ourselves. Iran has for years had a powerful influence among the Shia and Kurdish political leaders that have dominated the country since the 2003 U.S.-led overthrow of Saddam Hussein's regime. But there have also been leaders in both communities who have always resisted Tehran's attentions or sought to balance them by cultivating other partners such as Turkey or Jordan. But in more than a dozen interviews, Iraqi and Iranian insiders say the Obama administration's decision to wait and insist on the removal of the prime minister, Nuri Maliki, before taking action strengthened Iran's position in Iraq. The U.S. position, they argue, further enmeshed Iran in its neighbor's vital affairs, deepened ties between the two countries' security institutions, and stifled attempts to wean the country from Tehran's grasp. Questions about the roles of Iran and the U.S. in Iraq come at a critical juncture in relations between Washington and Tehran. The U.S. announced the deployment of up to 1,500 extra troops to Iraq last week. Officials from the two countries are struggling to forge a deal on the Iranian nuclear program while coming to an understanding on their shared interest of fighting ISIS. The U.S. has dangled the option of more cooperation against the Islamist group in the event of a nuclear deal. 
But by giving Iran first crack at shaping Iraq's security response to the ISIS threat, the Obama administration may have weakened its hand. In the space of a few days, Iran reformulated the ultimately failed Iraqi security infrastructure that it took Washington nearly nine years and billions of dollars to build. Iran's rapid response may greatly impact the future of Iraq and the nature of the war against ISIS, now encompassing Iraq, Syria, and increasingly ensnaring Lebanon. Critics argue this will favor Tehran and its allies by further cementing the role of Shia and pro-Iranian militias in the country's security institutions. Nabil Yunus Mohammed is a political science professor and advisor to one of Iraq's leading Sunni politicians. The U.S. didn't move quickly enough to help Iraq while ISIS was invading Mosul and left other countries to build up their influence. Iran acted quickly to keep its influence, he says. U.S. officials reject the idea that Iran filled a vacuum left by the U.S. A senior U.S. official told reporters on Friday that President Obama dispatched special forces teams to assess Iraqi security forces and surveillance drones within four days of the fall of Mosul and established joint operation centers in Baghdad and Erbil. Alistair Baski is a spokesman for the National Security Council in Washington. It is important, he says, not to overstate the extent to which Iran has influence on Iraq's leaders. It may be too early to determine the ultimate ramifications of Iran's role in the war against ISIS. But Baghdad's dependence on Iranian firepower and personnel, including Qasem Soleimani, commander of the Iranian Revolutionary Guard's elite Quds Force, may limit future U.S. policy leverage. It could also further complicate the dispute over Tehran's nuclear program and the situation in Syria where the U.S. finds itself avoiding conflict with Bashar al-Assad's Iranian-backed regime. While Iran's physical footprint in Iraq is likely to be similar to the hundreds or several thousand advisors the U.S. has authorized to deploy, its reactivation of Shia militias and its role in organizing the so-called popular surge of volunteers gives Tehran a far more robust force on the ground. Randa Salim is an analyst at the Middle East Institute who travels frequently to Baghdad and other regional capitals. One Iraqi official told her that Mr. Soleimani was the commander of the Iraqi armed forces during the first two weeks after the fall of Mosul. During that time, she says, while the U.S. was hedging and wondering what to do, Soleimani rushed to the aid of Iraq. Iran was initially taken back by the scale and speed of the ISIS victory in Mosul. Several officials describe ongoing recriminations in Tehran about the failure of the country's vast intelligence networks to predict its encroachment into northwest Iraq. When Mosul fell, they were as shocked as anyone, says a senior diplomat in Baghdad. It caused an internal debate as to why they missed it. But the Iranian reaction was, we need to stop this and we will deal with any consequences later. Despite the intelligence failure for which Mr. Soleimani is ultimately responsible, the regime has been portraying the commander as a war hero for his efforts in Iraq. Iran's policies in the region are not attached to Soleimani, but Iran now needs to cover up its failures, says an Iranian analyst. Soleimani carries out the policies which are set by Ayatollah Ali Khamenei, the supreme leader. Iran welcomed the U.S. overthrow of Saddam and the elevation of Shia and Kurdish allies in Iraq. But it has long worried about the threat of Sunni extremists on its borders and fears ISIS could seriously destabilize the country. 
The phone calls to Baghdad and Erbil, capital of the autonomous Kurdistan regional government, began on June 10th. General Qasem Atta, head of the Iraqi National Intelligence Service, is among the senior Iraqi armed forces officers long skeptical of Iran's influence in his country. They said, if you want help, we are ready to help, he says. In the early days, they even offered troops. In addition to artillery and mortar units, Tehran began passing on intelligence. Muafak Rabai is Iraq's former national security advisor. First and foremost, it was the Revolutionary Guard which came to help, he says. They came after two days. They were the first to come in and save the day. In contrast, the U.S. response was selfish, says Saadi Ahmad Pire, a leader of the Patriotic Union of Kurdistan. That's one of the dominant parties in the Kurdistan regional government. We said, we are the ones fighting terrorism on behalf of the world, he says. White House Deputy National Security Advisor Tony Blinken acknowledged in a recent speech that the Obama administration sought a new government in Baghdad before it began military operations against ISIS. Otherwise, the U.S. faced the prospect of being perceived as the air force of Mr. Maliki, perpetuating his hold on power, he says. The departure of Mr. Maliki was essential to winning broader support for the campaign, he says. We could not expect Iraqi Kurds or Sunnis or the various neighboring states to join forces to counter ISIS with an Iraqi government pursuing a blatantly sectarian agenda. Despite misgivings about Mr. Maliki's competence, Iranian officials dispatched Mr. Soleimani to Baghdad within two days of the crisis. He also paid an early visit to Masoud Barzani, president of the Iraqi Kurdistan region. He was a longtime skeptic of Iranian influence, but he warmly thanked Iran for its support. After giving Tehran the cold shoulder for years, he appears to have drawn nearer to Iran, which had sheltered him and his clan during his years in exile. Muthana Amin is a Kurdish member of parliament and member of the Kurdistan Islamic Union. Barzani was always closer to the U.S. and the West, he says, but when the West abandoned him at the beginning of the crisis, of course he moved closer to Iran. It was not until ISIS overran the city of Sinjar in August, killing and displacing thousands of minority Yazidis, that U.S. airstrikes and a more robust campaign began. Brigadier General Farhad Mahmoud is a Kurdish military commander. U.S. officers said, we're a bit late, but it's not too big of a problem. What did we say? We expect a quick response from you. We're your allies. Potentially, Mr. Soleimani's most significant move was to help the Iraqi government mobilize Shia volunteers to defend the country and support its regular forces. In addition, Iran appears to have resurrected the Shia militias it had trained and which fought U.S. forces after the toppling of Saddam. Mr. Rubai is the former national security advisor. They sent advisors, he says, people to guide, planners, trainers, training the trainers of the popular surge. They helped in mobilizing the Shia militias. Iranian commandos taking part in battles in northern Iraq were careful to avoid any clashes with the U.S., which would not only weaken Tehran's position in Iraq, but also potentially in the nuclear talks. Hossein Sheikh al-Islam is a senior advisor to Iran's parliament who is close to the Revolutionary Guard. There is a warfield understanding between Iran and the U.S., he says, and that is because we must not hit each other by mistake when we are advancing in the field. Iran's most controversial proposal was to cede stretches of mostly Sunni Iraqi territory, such as western Anbar province, to ISIS. 
That would, in effect, harden the partition of the country into ethno-sectarian cantons as in Syria. Some in Iran and some of its friends in Iraq believe that this is a little bit like Syria, says the senior diplomat in Baghdad. The strategy is to give up Anbar, keep control of what you have, strengthen it, and regroup and fight back later. The strategy, which appears now to be the Iraqi government's de facto game plan, has raised fears that it reflects Iran's policy of focusing almost exclusively on the country's Shia majority. Hossein Sheikh al-Islam is the senior advisor to Iran's parliament. ISIS is going to have a long life, he says, and will not finish in one or two years because Sunni culture likes the group's behavior. Many Iranians credit the regime with behaving more rationally in Iraq compared to Syria, where its insistence on keeping Assad in power has complicated its relations with neighbors. In Iraq, Iran could not afford any adventurism because its own borders could be jeopardized, says one Iranian analyst. But some Iranian analysts say the country's losses in the region should not be underestimated. Iran was like a billionaire which has become a millionaire in Syria and in Iraq, says one reform-minded political analyst in Tehran. Iran cannot retreat from its support for Bashar al-Assad, while its fight against Sunni extremists in Syria has expanded to Iraq and hence very close to Iran's borders. Tehran's early response to the ISIS incursion promises to shape Iraqi's national security framework for years to come. The Kurds' once-promising attempt to wean themselves off the Islamic Republic's influence by strengthening a partnership with Turkey appears in shambles. The Shia militias had been mostly dormant since 2010 after Mr. Maliki launched a messy war to stamp out forces loyal to radical cleric Muqtada al-Sadr. Mr. Sadr's forces now rebranded the Peace Brigades, and other Iranian-backed or trained Shia militias have reassumed their robust role in Iraq's public life. The volunteer forces, which many Iraqi officials now want to incorporate into the security services, are potentially an even more fervent force propelling the type of Shia populism advocated by Iran's leaders. Nabil Yunus Mohammed is the political science professor. I think in the long term, Iran's role is going to have a negative impact on the Iraqi people, he says. We need help at this time, but it doesn't mean we agree on such an influence. Heydar al-Abadi, Iraq's new prime minister and for years critical of Iran's role in the country, has previously accused Tehran of turning Iraq into a battleground in its contest with the U.S. But hours after finally seating his government and attending a rare meeting with the influential Shia cleric Ayatollah Ali Sistani, Mr. Abadi headed to Tehran for one of his first foreign visits as premier. During a meeting, Iran's Ayatollah Ali Khamenei was reported to have said to him, Iraq's security is Iran's security. For the Financial Times, this is Borzu Deragahi. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts.